You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As with all things, if you, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible with you but you brought your phone, just this one time, try not to message, do other things, but open up your browser and type in Ephesians. Just put E-P-H chapter 6 colon verses 10 to 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 18. And if you're new to our church or you haven't been coming for a while, uh, we've been preaching a series on truth. Uh, last week was part two. And uh, it's been, hopefully for you, uh, very revelatory. It's changed your life. If you weren't here, download the podcast because I can't go over it. There's a lot of material there. And I wanted to continue. I was touching on the armor of God last week. And we're going to go deeper into it now because it is so important that you understand this. We have a church, uh, not just here, full of people around the world that are ill-equipped, ill-prepared for the things that the enemy is throwing at you. And what I'm hoping to do this morning is to start to unpack the strategies of the enemy that you start to realize there is actually an enemy out to get you. You can't see this enemy, and that's the thing that makes it so difficult to understand. Some of you, when you're finally at the end of your rope and you've finally given up, realize there was indeed an enemy. Because for now you think, oh, it's just coincidence. It's just something that happens. And you don't realize, and oftentimes I instantly know when there's at least two incidents that happen, one after the other, I realize, oh, okay, we're under attack. Enemies here. If it, was one, if it happens once, it's coincidence. But when it happens at least two times, the Bible says that it takes two witnesses, two things to establish a word, two dreams, and immediately Joseph knew that God was speaking. Two dreams to the Pharaoh because God has established the matter. So when you're going under attack, you're under fire, and there's at least two different things happening, recognize it's probably the enemy taking you out. Your kids are rebellious, and it's never happened before. You are struggling. You might have lost your job. Two things at least. Three things, you're definitely in the fire. Okay? Let me show you some of the tools that God has for you. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 to 18, I'm reading from the NIV. You know, there's like five versions of the NIV. I'm reading the NIV 1984 edition because I was around in 1984, and this was the NIV. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Follow with me in your translation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, this is the end of the chapter of the book of Ephesians. Lots of good stuff in there. He says, at the end of this chapter, at the end of this letter that he wrote, he says, finally, be strong. In the Lord and in his mighty power. I want to tell you right now that you can be strong in the Lord. Some of you have written yourselves up. You say, no, no, I can only go so far. Pastor's so strong in the Lord. Or, you know, Bruce is so strong in the Lord. Ruth is so strong in the Lord. Sister Yvette is so strong in the Lord, but I can never be. I'm here to tell you that if Paul is writing this to the church, it's for you today. You can be strong in the Lord. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can be strong in the Lord. 
Some of you wrote yourself off. Some of you feel so discouraged and so down that you can't possibly imagine that you can be strong in the Lord. I'm here to tell you right now, I'm speaking truth. This is part of a series on truth, part three, okay? The truth is you can be strong in the Lord, and it doesn't end there, in His mighty power. There's a point where you got to realize, a lot of you guys, you've been trying to go in your own strength, but your strength only lasts so long. And some of you are so arrogant <laughs> that you're still, I remember my daughter Eden when she was growing up, when she was a little toddler. Uh, she's taller than me now. But back in the day, we had this table. It was a bit lower than normal. It actually belonged to Tanya's grandfather. It was a bit lower than usual. She was a little toddler, and she just learned to walk. And she was able to just walk straight onto the table. I'm a bit like that. I'm so short I can pass through stuff that other people struggle with. Big John, you know, you'd struggle in the places I walk in. These guys make fun of me on the airplane when we travel. Oh, so they make fun of me because I'm short until we get on the airplane. Then I say, who's short now? <laughs> who's challenged now? But there's Eden, and she'd walk straight under the table, no problem at all, until she started to grow. And then all of a sudden, she'd bang her head on the table. But rather than learn from it, she'd step back, and she's rubbing her head, and she, you know, and she does it again. She's banging her head at least five times, and then she's crying because she can't get through the table. She can't understand why. Eventually, she learned, i got to duck down now and get under the table. I want to tell you, a lot. that's a picture of the church. Some of you guys keep bashing yourself on the head over and over, trying to go under the table that you used to go under, but you've grown now. You're maturing in the Lord. That's the reason why you've got this obstacle in your way. You've outgrown the place where you were before, and you've got to understand you've got to act differently. You're maturing now. You're changing. And if you don't change what God is, is bringing to your life, this is as far as you're going to go, and that becomes the barrier to your future growth. I'm speaking some truth to somebody today, and you're getting this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You can't get through that obstacle on your own. How long will you go around this mountain before you learn your lesson and realize, God, I give up? In your power, in your might, the Bible says, it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's go to verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that, I want you to underline that word, so that. See, we miss these things here. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Underline it. So that, here we go, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I'm going to unpack all this for you in a moment. Let me just keep reading. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. That's twice he said, put on the full armor, not a partial armor. Just get that for a moment. Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. Have you ever tried going hiking when you were barefoot? Some of you guys, uh, you got like tough feet, tough feet. I got like the weakest hands and feet in the planet. I got like girly hands and girly feet. Uh, you don't believe me. I was in college, and Ruth was there, and uh, they told me, you need to get some snow boots on. I had regular shoes. Well, I didn't know how to walk in snow. I'd never been in snow in my life. And I lived in Asia all, all our lives, didn't we? And then I went to the States, and it's snowing, so my sister tells me, all my friends tell me, buy some boots. So she comes with me. We go to the store. I don't know if it was Macy's or C. I think it was Sears when I bought it. Found these pair of boots on sale. And I'm trying on these shoes to find one that fits and looks good, best value for money. I'm getting blisters on my hands and trying to pull the, the shoelaces. I know it's bad. This, weekend, uh, this week, I, found, I rediscovered my blower. I got this leaf blower. I charged it up. And I'm cleaning up because my dog keeps pulling branches that I've thrown away and chewing on it and leaving scraps everywhere. So every day I've taken to doing this. But I went out the back where it's all concreted. We, we can take guests there. It's really beautiful. But it's littered with stuff. So I thought, I'm going to take my blower. I'm going for it. You know what? I'm only going to be here a couple minutes. I'll just stay in my bare feet, keeping in mind what you know already. I'm walking, I'm stepping on these little pebbles. And it's, it's, it's painful for this little guy. It is painful. And I'm, I'm just blown away. You know what? It's only going to be a few minutes. It's going to be okay. I kept telling myself, it's just a few minutes. It's going to be okay. No pain. So there I am. I'm leaf blowing. By the time I'm done, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm in so much pain. But it's an hour and 30 minutes. By the time I am done, I know it takes too long. But you know, like, uh, you know, some people just take the broom and sweep it. Not me. I'm one of those people like the vacuum cleaner. I'll just... You know, I try and move that thing with my foot and then suck it up, you know. I'm, I'm not, really, not going to bend down to get it. I'm not. I'll just get my, my foot like that and I'll do it. By the time I was done, I was limping, limping back to the couch and my feet was, was in pain all day. That was the moment you say, oh, thank, thank you so much. Logan is looking at me saying, you turkey, you're such a girl. I'm not looking at you, brother. I'm just going to look everywhere else over here. Okay. Anyone, can anyone feel my pain? Anyone else relate to this? All the ladies put their hands up. Put your fans down. That's not working for me at all. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God. You have to have the right equipment for the job. See, a lot of us, we're trying to tackle problems and situations and issues without the proper equipment. And we're wondering why the devil is taking us down. I want you to understand this. The armor of God is the key to releasing the power of God to destroy the works of the enemy. Some of you need to emblazon that in your brain. Write it down somewhere. You're going through hardship. If you're not in it now, you're going to be going through hardship. Write this one down. Oh, my daughter's on her way. Write this one down. Oh, you know, I was having such a bad problem. I got back into the alcohol. Write this one down. Sometimes it's not about sheer will that I'm going to be set free from this addiction. Sometimes it's not sheer will that I won't sin again. Sometimes it requires the power of God. The armor of God 
releases the power of God to do battle. And this is bad news for the enemy because he understands if you get this, he's in trouble. And my dream for you is that we would become the devil's worst nightmare. Thank you for the two people that clap. God bless you. The dream is this, that when you wake up, the devil goes, oh, no, not them again. That's how I want to give you this. If you understand this, you can do battle and do such damage to the kingdom of darkness, you become his worst nightmare. Can I hear an amen for the Lord? Go with me to verse 11. It says this, put on the full armor of God so that, this is the reason why, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I looked up that word schemes. It may be rendered differently in your Bible. According to JFB commentary, uh, it, it, back in the old uh, King James, it was the wiles of the devil, the wiles it was used. But it was literally translated, schemes sought out for deceiving. The devil has a strategy to take you down. If you think it's coincidence that you seem to sin, and I said this to the team, if you understand this, the moment you raise your hand and say, I want to go, trouble is going to come up over your life. And the devil has been studying you now, studying humanity for over 5,000 years. According to the Jewish calendar, we're in the year 5,780. 5,780 years since the day that God created the heavens and the earth and man walked the planet. And the devil's been around that entire time studying how humanity reacts, what they're tempted to, what they envy, what they lust after, the pride of the heart. He understands all these things. He's been studying your generations ahead of you. He's been studying your forefathers, and he knows what will take you down. So think about this for a moment. There are wiles, there are schemes, there are strategies. If you think I'm kidding, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a consistency about the devil. He operates in the same agenda. The book of Job tells us that he appears with all the angels in heaven. What? The devil in heaven? Well, it says it in the Bible. He appears before God, cap in hand. You, you think he's as strong. It's God against the devil, devil, devil. It's not even like that. He has to come cap in hand with all the other angels, presenting himself before the Father. And the Lord asks him, where have you been? I've been going around the planet looking for people I can take down. And that's when God says, have you considered my servant Job? He is constantly looking for people who give him permission to attack them. Someone needs to write this down. The devil cannot attack you unless he has permission from the Father to attack you. Or you gave him permission to attack you. Oh, I, I know. Some of you guys, this is new. I'm messing around with you. Okay. I don't know about you, but a holy indignation rises up in me when I read these words. I, I'll tell you, you should be talking to the devil now. Say, devil. You've been studying me for 5,000 plus years, you understand me? You've been looking at my forefathers. You've been studying the sin that has been passed down from generations to generations. You've been manipulating my situation to throw doubt, to throw confusion, to throw fear, depression, hatred, unforgiveness, sexual immorality, addictions, and the like to take me down. You know what I say to that? 
over my dead body. I died to myself when I was water baptized. A dead person can't be tempted because you're dead. Some of you guys, you, you, just, you just had a bath. <laughs> we just dunked you and pulled you out. When you were water baptized, you were supposed to be dead to yourself, dead to your sins. Sin has no mastery over you. It is done. It is crushed. It is finished. And you're still getting offended. You're still getting hurt over someone in the church. He said something to me. Pastor, you didn't talk to me today. I already told you. I know we're not like this massive mega church, but I work a job like you guys do. I don't do, I am pastoring full time. I'm also teaching full time. Can't get around everyone right now. I rely on our leaders and I, I rely on our connect group leaders to pastor you. So if I don't say hi, it's not that I don't love you, absolutely love you, but I can't get around everyone and give you the quality time you really deserve. But we get upset, we're angry with our brothers, and the enemy has been given permission to mess you up. There is a wisdom in knowing the difference between poor choices that result in consequences which lead you to trouble. Oh, thank you so much for that. But there's also an understanding and a recognition when the devil's at work in your life. We have been trying hard in our own strength to fight these battles. You know what it looks like? It looks like this. You're popping pills. You're drinking yourself silly until you forget. You're taking drugs until you're out of your mind. You're divorcing the wife of your youth. You are planning evil against those that hurt you. None of these natural weapons can defeat the enemy. You can't use evil to fight evil. You've got to use good to fight evil. And it's not going to come from you. It's got to come from him. And this is why... The Lord is showing us how to wage war in the heavenly realms. There is now a generation of Christians who are untrained and unfit to battle the enemy. Yet this fierce resistance is strategically being waged against you while you're on this planet. While you live and breathe, you are constantly being attacked and you live oh, unaware of the wiles of the enemy. What if we started to understand that he's trying to undermine you, undermine your faith, weaken you, compromise you, discourage you until you give up? To that I say this. Write this down. Be encouraged. That means you matter. You are such a threat to the kingdom of darkness that devils have to waste their time coming up with ways to take you down. Have you thought about that? Let's uncover what the enemy is doing. You are so powerful. You are capable of so much more that he has to discover ways and they're studying you. Let's look at the history. What are the forefathers like? The sins of the forefathers. Can we use that against them? What's the doorway? To that I say, wow, do I really matter that much that he's so worried about me? He is. <laughs> now who's really fearful? The fact that you're still standing and that you made your way here today is causing devils all kinds of worry. 
The Apostle Paul gives us the life hack on how to defeat the enemy at his game. He instructs us to put on the full armor of God. It is not meant to be worn piecemeal, that means a little at a time, or with only selective pieces chosen. I don't like the breastplate because it's too heavy. That sword doesn't match my outfit. <laughs> it's battle, folks. It's warfare. I need two volunteers. I'm going to ask Uncle Frankie here and uh, Ben to come up here to help me out. Give him a hand here. Okay. Here's what I want you to do, all right? So um, you're going to stand here for a second. Okay, you're waging your war over here. Okay, your battle's going on over here. You got your battle here. You decided today that you're going to take your shield of faith. I'm going to hold your shield up, okay? Put your shield up. That's it. Okay. There's an enemy out here shooting arrows. Okay, you're over there shooting arrows with me, Frankie. You're going to double time for me. Shooting arrows at this guy, okay? Arrows coming. You're aware of the walls of the enemy. And this one, poop. Hold it up. Hold up the shield. These guys haven't played in a long time. Okay, holding up the shield. Okay. He's hold up. Little does he know... While that's happening, the enemy's smart. Keep going, keep going. There's another enemy close to him that stabs him in the heart because he didn't wear his breastplate of righteousness. Now he's got his breastplate on. Okay, he's got his breastplate on. All right. This was for that. Okay. All right. And now you come in to attack. Okay, try to try to attack the breastplate. Just, just go like this. It's, it's about the tude. The tude. Attitude. We don't even say attitude. We say the tude. So I need some of the brothers to show me how to do that. They, they, it's a white boy. needs some help over here, Caucasian. Can I get one of the brothers to stand up? Show me how it's done. George, show me how. Trent wants to do it. Show us how it's done, brother. Just do it from there. We're going to watch you there. Show us done. There it is. Okay. All right, now you try it again. You try it again. While that's happening, I got, I got my sword. Okay, while he's doing that, the enemy comes and slices your head off. Because you didn't have your helmet on. Did you get all that? Okay. Here's the other thing about the armor. There is no back piece. It's a breast plate, not a back plate. It, that's all it is. You were thinking of the knights in shining armor. It's not those kind of armor. It just covers the front. Okay, you got the front here as well, Uncle Frank, eh? Just like that. Okay. All right. You got, you got the helmet of salvation on. Okay. You got your shield in your left hand. That's your left hand. What's your, your left hand? Shield in your left hand. Shield in your left hand. You got the sword in the right. Okay. What's the sword for? It's, we're not all defense, folks. We actually attack. That's what the sword's for. Okay? You're not there, oh, the enemy's attacking. Oh, the enemy's attacking. Take a sword and stab the guy. <laughs> the word of God. Okay. So the problem is, you two are fighting a battle, but your back is exposed. So the enemy comes in, rams in. Okay? You're so busy with your fight, you don't see the guy with a spear stabbing you from behind. So what do we do to encounter that? Here's what I want you to do. Come over here. You face that way. You fight, you, fight, you fight that way. That's it. You're going to fight that way. Now you fight. Put your, put your shields up. Start stabbing. Stab away. Now they become the shield that covers each other. So you, you're, trying to, you're trying to fight the fight by yourself. And you're getting stabbed in the back. 
but you're supposed to cover your back with your brother. You're trying to do your battle alone, and you're wondering why you're being taken out. Because you need your brother. You need your sister with you doing battle. I fight for these boys. Come on, let's hear for these boys. Thank you so much. You can find your seats. Partial armor doesn't cut it. It's the full armor of God. You can't do the battle alone. You've got to do it with a brother. You've got to do it with the sisters. The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That boss that's giving you hell, that's not just him doing that. It's because you're living for the Lord, and the enemy's stirring him up because he's demonic. He's just a puppet. I heard this really amazing quote I'll have to share with you. John W. Rittenbaugh said, describes it this way. Why do we need the full armor of God? What is this all about? He says this way. We have been the unwitting slaves of an invisible, perversely intelligent, deceitful, powerful, and heartless master who is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4. He has created cultures with ways of life appealing to our self-centered natures. He stimulates our spirit through corrupt music, literature, art, even religion. He diverts our attention from more important concerns of life by means of entertainment with erotic, visual, and auditory impact. He has enslaved our minds by appealing to the desires of the flesh and of the eyes and the pride of life, 1 John 2, 16. Almost from the time we were born, he confuses us by hiding or shading the truth, denying absolutes, distorting reality, emphasizing vanity, and making available such a spectrum of opinions that disagreement is the standard operational feature of life. He pits us in competition against each other and makes us feel defensive, insecure, and untrusting. Do you understand that there's a battle that we're fighting? Let me tell you, the moment that you begin to stand up and say, okay, I'm ready to go to the next level, Lord. I'm ready for next steps. What in there inevitably happens when you step up? The enemy has to attack you. Why? You're becoming a credible threat to his kingdom. If it took one devil before, there's going to be two devils now against you. You're stronger now because you fought off the one. They have to send you two now. I've got a couple guys. I want you to, just so you know, this is real, to share that testimony. Ben, I want you to come up here. Let's give Ben a hand again. So, Ben, before you put your hands up, right, you were deciding on Malaysia, and then all of a sudden, things began to change in your life the moment you said, yes, Lord, I'm going. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? What's happened? Um, just really quickly on that, um, you hit the nail on the head this morning with the message. Um, yeah, I put my hand up and straight away I lost my job. Um, it was, it was uh, what I thought was a little bit, I thought it was bad because I thought I had the job, I thought I was good, but turns out, nah. And I thought that in my own power, I was like, oh, you know, two weeks I'll have another job. It's, that's how it's worked out for me. I've managed to um, just get another job straight away. I hadn't been without work, but nothing was happening. I was going to interviews, not getting anywhere, nothing. And there was a big period of time there where I wasn't even getting a, a phone call back or nothing. It was, it was getting really bad. And it got to the point where I, I had a little bit of savings. I was running out and I was starting to get a bit depressed, a bit down and all that. And I, I thought I was praying properly to God about it. And I thought I was doing the right thing and, and giving him my trust and giving him the everything, it, giving him the power to give me the right job and all that, but it still wasn't happening. 
and I talked to Pastor Paul about it. I was getting real nervous and all that. And a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, Go, come and, come and share the uh, message in prayer before church. And I did, and I did a message on it. And it's almost like God said, that's all I wanted, is you to give it all to me, give me everything. And the very next day, I went to an interview, got the job. And, um, and no, it, it doesn't end there. And just to make it that one step better, that's, that was two weeks ago. That was just be- two weeks before we go to Malaysia. They hired me. And to top it all off, they're already telling me to hurry up and come back because they're getting in their busy season. So they want me back and everything's looking up from now on. So, yeah. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Thanks, bro. Okay, Marty, come up here. I need you to understand these are real stories. We don't talk about things like this. It's in the Word of God. So you decided to go to Malaysia. What happened to you? Well, I'll pretty go back a little bit. I've been to India many times, and I said, and it, probably my arrogance, I said I would never, ever go to Malaysia. And then one Thursday, God said, I was talking to Daniel. He said, oh, Pastor Paul asked me if I go to Malaysia, but it's not my time. And I said, well, actually, I was thinking about it this morning. And... Um, approached Pastor Paul on the Sunday and said, look, I know it's probably late notice. If you say, if you say no, that's fine. But if there's a spot on the Malaysian team, he just cracked up. <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, I was praying during the week and God said to me, I said to God, shall I ask Marty? And he said, no, wait for him to come to you. And three days later I did. And um, for those who don't know, I run my own business. And uh, so Sunday night I went home. I booked the ticket. I had the dollar amount in my account. So I paid for it. And then for the next six days, I didn't have one sale. And I'm going, what's going on? I'm stepping out. I'm doing the right thing. And everything's just gone to pot. You're supposed to be blessing me, but you're not. Well, it didn't seem like it was. And then, like, even two weeks ago, I said, look, if things don't change, I'm not going to Malaysia. And the very next day, something happened and the money came in. And then, again, this week, I'm going, oh, Lord, it's just so tight. And then Friday, bang, money's there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Having done all the stand. So they stood, they fought, they prayed. They had other people pray with them. They came to see me, and we began to pray together. I know others prayed as well, but we know at least two or three gathered in the name of Jesus and agreed for this to happen, and God moved. Here's what I want you to understand. There is a struggle waging constantly in the spiritual realm. Although we cannot see it, it doesn't make it any less real. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha's servant was terrified of a massive army that had gathered at a city called Dothan to capture the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha was a seer, had a seer gift of prophecy. He knew Uh, everything that was happening with the enemy. He could even hear conversations. Imagine that. And he told the king of Israel. So every time they they prepared an attack against the armies of Israel, he would tell the king, this is what they talked about. And the king would work around it. And this guy was getting furious. So finally, he brought all these armies down to take them, to take uh, the king down. They found out the king was in Dothan. And they surrounded that city. And the servant of Elisha was terrified when he saw these armies. He'd never seen an army so vast and so big. And so Elisha prayed that the Lord would open his eyes so he can see into the spirit realm. And instantly he saw what looked like chariots of fire, angels that were on fire that far outweighed and outmassed any physical army that was there. And instantly he had faith and understood, wow, the battle is the Lord's. If you could only see into the spirit realm, but we don't need to know that because the word tells us 
what is happening in the spirit realm. The spiritual battle becomes even more real when you witness deliverance ministry. How many people have seen deliverance ministry or been part of it? Many of you have not. It's the most interesting thing, especially when you have atheists with you and they see what happens. Their best friend manifests. I remember at a youth camp, we were, uh, started to preach. The next thing, we were casting demons out. And this kid who was a, you know, a staunch atheist could not believe his best friend and realized, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. That night, he gave his life to the Lord. He finally understood this is real. According to the scripture, the Bible tells us there are principalities, there are powers, there are authorities, evil forces at work. John MacArthur says, the four designations describe the different strata and rankings of these demons and the evil supernatural empire in which they operate. Satan's forces of darkness are highly structured for the most destructive purposes. Let me break it down for you. There is a demonic hierarchy of demons. We know that because Daniel who was uh, in Babylon at that time, had this incredible anointing to pray on behalf of the nation of Israel while they're in captivity. And he reads the prophecy of, I think it was Jeremiah the prophet, which said, only 70 years. That was the length of time that Israel would be in exile and they'd start returning home. And he realized 70 years is almost up. And he began to fast and pray that day. Normally he got an answer. It wasn't meant to be a long fast. 21 days later, the angel Gabriel appears to him and says to him, Mighty man of God, from the day you began praying, the Lord sent me to talk to you, but I could not get through because the prince of Persia held me off. It was only because the angel Michael came. These are the, we're talking about massive, massive angels, not the small ones that look after you and I. Massive, massive angels had to go into warfare. Michael is at the same height of this, of this particular demonic presence, this demonic power, was able to fight him off to release Gabriel to give the answer for the word. If you want to see something like this, read the Piercing the Darkness, a great book that shows you a picture of what prayer. Lou Engel says, prayer moves angels and demons. Your prayer is powerful. Some of you have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. If you don't get your answer straight away, do you give up? No, you keep praying. Paul instructs us, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, notice that word, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So, how do we battle something that we cannot see? The early church, when they heard this, when they read this word from the Apostle Paul, remember the early church, they didn't have the New Testament like we do. They just had letters, which eventually became Scripture, accepted as the Word of God. Up to that point, they were just letters. The only Bible that existed was the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And that's the one they went to. The moment that Paul began to describe this armor that we're supposed to wear, they instantly knew what he was talking about because it taught the Word of God. They knew he was referring to Isaiah 59, verse 17. Listen to this, talking about the Father God. He put on righteousness as his breastplate. Sound familiar? And the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. In this passage, God appears as the divine warrior, but this is sad, making battle against his own people because of their rebellion. But in the New Testament, everything gets turned around because we are now forgiven. When we repent, we are forgiven 
God actually is giving you his own armor. This is not a, a second-rate piece of armor that he's saying, here's some toys you can play with. This is the very armor of God that he uses to battle against the enemy. So don't pass this off as a fancy. God is saying, I use this in battle, and I want you to use this in battle. And here's the interesting thing as I close this morning. That suit of armor weighed about 33.7 kilos, 34 kilos. My son about this high is 24 kilos. So a little bit more than him, 33 kilos, 33.7 kilos, almost 34 kilos of weight. Most of that was in the breastplate of righteousness. Can I get Ben to come back up here again? He's done such a great job. Okay. And now imagine this weight that's on your shoulder the whole time. Imagine that. You're trying to fight a battle, and this 33, about 30 kilos of it is just a breastplate of righteousness. Imagine that wearing down on you as you're trying to battle. Can you imagine battling like that? It would hurt after a while. You would tire after a while, wouldn't you? And you'd be struggling in your battle. Thank you so much. But here's the thing. What ties the entire armor, the battle armor of God, is the belt of truth. Why is it so important? Because it wasn't just for a belt to look pretty. It served a purpose. That belt was wrapped around that, that breastplate of righteousness and tied so that you were carrying the weight here, here, and here. It took the weight off your shoulders. See, some of you have been trying to fight so hard, and you've been working hard to be righteous, but what it's become is your own self-righteousness. You've been the one trying to carry it. But the moment you put truth as a belt around your breastplate of righteousness, all of a sudden humility comes because you realize the truth is, I'm not even fighting this battle. God is doing it. That's why you're more than overcomers. And that belt is taking the weight off your shoulders so that you can focus on a more important thing, to defend and to go on the offense, to take the enemy down. Some of you this morning have been fighting and fighting and fighting, and you're well-worn and weary. I want to tell you, it's time to stop carrying the weight yourself. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this morning? The battle is the Lord's. The armor is the Lord's. You're just borrowing it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, And Jesus... Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them. Remember we talked about principalities, powers, and authorities? Jesus already defeated them 2,000 years ago. He made a public spectacle of them, which means he embarrassed them. He shamed them, triumphing over them by the cross. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. God loves you. He's already won the battle. And he's handing you his gear saying, it fits. This is not Saul's armor. This fits you. It's custom made for you. And as you go through your hardship, as you go through your battles, as you go through your challenges... We operate in truth, understanding in all humility. I can't do this battle on my own. I understand the sins of my life, but Jesus forgave me. I know that truth too. 
And that truth, that belt holds the sword, the word of God that you do battle with. We battle the enemy with the word, with the word, with the word. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. You may be wondering, why do we do this every week? Because I'm expecting you to bring guests into the house. And I understand that you've had a tough week and you've probably made compromises in your life because there are schemes of the enemy against you and we all struggle. We all have to battle, and I understand that. And so we give this opportunity for you to focus on him, to be besought by the love of God for you. Your daddy God is so strong, and he's fighting on your behalf, in your favor. This morning, as I look around the room today, you may have been serving the Lord before, but today you find yourself, you are distant from him. You're not right with him anymore. Perhaps today, you understand that you have, you've never made a decision for Jesus. You might have been going to church, but you have never made a public declaration of faith saying, Jesus, I choose to follow you. You'll never be forced. He'll knock on the door of your heart and say, let me in. Will you let him in this morning? As I look around this room, I'm going to count to three. And if you're saying to me, yes, I agree, Pastor, please pray for me. I am declaring right now before every principality, every power, every spiritual force of evil that I choose to follow the victor. I choose to follow Jesus. If that's you, on three, I want you to raise your hands and hold it there so I can acknowledge you and pray for you. On three, one, two, three, right where you're at. Can I see those hands? Hold them up and nice and high. Do not be ashamed of the kingdom. Do not be ashamed of him. I thank you for those hands. I'm seeing them. Anyone else? Don't let this moment pass you by. Declare, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to follow the King of Kings. I choose to follow the victor in Jesus' name. Wow. You can put your hands down. I'd like to lead you in a prayer this morning. It's going to be brief. But can I get everyone in the church to repeat this so we don't embarrass those who have lifted up their hands? And if you wanted to and you were too scared, say this prayer as well with us. Are you ready, church? Are you ready, church? Pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry I sinned. I stuffed up. I didn't ask, I didn't do what you asked me to do. And I did what you told me not to do. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart and fill me with your spirit so I can live for you. Amen. Let's give a big hand to everyone that responded this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Can I get everyone to put your hand on your heart right now? I'm going to pray for you as a church. Father, we come before you right now declaring we are citizens of the kingdom. We declare we're also soldiers fighting in a war where the battle is already determined because the war has been won. Jesus is the victor. We declare we are on the winning side. We declare that we are called by name by an affectionate Father that says He loves us. And we declare, Father God, not by might, nor by power, but by Your, but by your Spirit, the Lord says. So, Father, this morning we acknowledge a battle belongs to the Lord. Protect our heart. Protect our mind. Protect our spirit, Lord God, 
as we wage war this week, as we leave the doors of this building, we pray, Father God, that you would send us on assignment as soldiers to take that which has been stolen by the kingdom of darkness and bring it back into the kingdom of light. In Jesus' name, all God's soldiers said, amen, amen. Come on, give another hand to the Lord this morning. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.